0: Here, and we are getting ready to start a new series. So if this is new for you, uh, this is probably a really good time just to kind of dial in, stay with us the next several weeks as we're jumping into kind of a new character and kind of a lead up to Easter. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I was studying for this character in particular, I... I I always love meeting somebody who they I, I, I have no assumptions about, but then, I don't know about you, but when you later on find out, like, oh my goodness, like, you climbed Mount Everest? You know what I mean? Like, like people who stun you because their humility is in such a way that you would never guess, but as you dig in more, you find out, like, oh my gosh, you're like, you, you build rockets? Like, I would have never thought that. I just, I just saw you out here and just talked to you at the park. I love love discovering that. We have a couple people in the church that every time I'm talking and, and we're, they mention something, I'm like, wait, you you wait you did, you did that? And they blow me away. And there's one guy I won't embarrass him in particular, but every conversation I'm just blown away. I love, love discovering that in people. This character is a lot like that. I hope that as we go through this study on him, That what what was revealed in us is some of these things that sometimes we just read over in scripture and go, oh, that's nice, but really realizing the impact, the significance that they brought to the kingdom of God. This series we're looking at is uh, on a series of a guy named Jethro. This is not from the Beverly Hillbillies. This is not that Jethro. I asked Chad and Chad goes, Jethro, that sounds like a wise name. I like that Jethro name. And I was like, that's not what anybody thinks of the name Jethro, Chad, just so you know. like They're thinking overalls, hillbilly. They're thinking Beverly Hillbillies, you know, like, So, But Jethro is one of these rare characters. He made a significant impact on the kingdom of heaven, and you may have never even heard of this person. I like people like that. A lot of times, people will compare ourselves, obviously, to Jesus, and and you're never going to make that mark, but you strive. You'll compare yourself to people like Paul or Peter. You'll find parts of yourself in them. Jethro is one of these people that we would just read right over. But what he did, the faithfulness he had and the faith he had uh, to trust God and and jump in in what God was doing is astounding. Faithfulness, I think in a sense, if we think of the series, it's faithfulness when the need arises. You know... When, when a problem presents itself and it only takes faith to, to move towards it for the kingdom, that's what Jethro does. And I think a lot of times a lot of people would say, well, someone else has that. Oh, oh, that, 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 needs, that needs help over there. Someone else will take care of that. I'm not that person. And I hope in the series that you can see yourself like Jethro. The guy was just taking care of sheep. The guy... He was a priest in his town, but of no significance to do what he ends up doing. He's a rare character in this way. And I hope that Jethro takes away any excuse anybody has to recognize the kingdom's purpose, see a need arise, and jump in. I hope he takes all the excuses away because he's one of the few characters who did not hear the voice of God. He did not hear an angel or see an angel stand in front of him, before him, and say, here you are, this is what you do. He did not see a sign that told him he needed to engage. He saw a need. And he said, God's doing something, I'm going to be a part of it. It's one of these very rare characters we get to study, and I think it's most relatable to where we're at. I don't know about you, but God never gave me a sign to do what I'm doing. I felt a calling but I never had a sign, and the angel never appeared to me. I don't know if an angel's ever appeared to you. God's voice directly booming from the heavens never said, Ryan, why don't you go over and talk to that person who has no one else speaking to them and, and, and show them the love of, that Christ would show them. I never had a voice. I just had, this is what Jesus did. I'm going to jump in. I see a need. We, we have to operate this way in the kingdom of God. Where a need arises, where are we? So let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you so much. God, I ask that you open every ear in here to hear your word, every eye to see their lives and others the way you see them. And God, I thank you that that you who created the universe, who knows the, the the time we will take our last breath, you know our purpose, you know what you've called us to do, and you know the plans you have for us. And God, I ask that you will uh, uh, inspire some people in here who have discounted themselves and said, surely there must be another, who've seen a need arise, felt the compelling, the the compulsion to do something, but, but, but maybe has hesitated because of their own fear. But God, I ask that you stir that up in us, that faith, that courage in you, that confidence in you, not in ourselves we love you in Jesus' name, amen. I, uh, I had this guy who was a, I took him on as an intern years and years ago when I lived in Michigan, and he had a unique story. He came and um, his dad, I knew of his dad, but his dad was a horrible man. And it was, it was tough because I knew what a nice guy his son was. son's a big six, six guy, big guy. Everybody loved him. He is the gentlest, we called him the gentle giant. He was so soft, so kind. But his dad was just a brute of a, of a, of a person. And he would beat his kids. And, and, and by the time he came into our ministry, his interning, he could just see he had been beat down by his father. But... I knew that he had potential. I at least knew that there's potential for this guy. And I remember God in my heart just kind of in a way leading me to go, you know you know what this guy needs? This guy needs to be a father himself to these fatherless kids. And I always had these kids that would come from rough backgrounds. Uh, dad's never in the home. Or dad very abusive, and I took all of these boys that came into my ministry and I told them, I said, Phil, you're the guy. You be this guy for you be this figure for these boys who have no one. And anytime someone came in, I, I gave them to him. I had never seen anybody rise to the potential that they had like this guy. He 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 in a sense fathered these boys. And it it was impressive, actually. And they needed a soft voice in their life of a strong person in their life who cared for them and who showed them mercy, loved them. He was there for them in and out, in every situation. I'll never forget this. Mom came to me and said, my my sons had not had a father. Their father had left them. My boys need a figure in their life. And I just said, I know the guy for the job. And then that boy had, uh, those boys had grown up under this guy, Phil. Phil has never stopped finding uh, uh, people who have been down and out in their life and who have been abandoned or abused. And, and, and he's continually doing that ministering now in Las Vegas. What I, what I appreciated about that is, you know, when the day came, and I think it meant a lot to Phil, uh, his dad, unfortunately, made national news by the atrocities that he had committed and, and, and killed Phil's entire family. And it was like a tragedy. And I remember being there in those times and talking with Phil. But what I was more impressed about was all of his lost boys that ca- came to his attention and, and cared for him. And, and I think like that's the beauty, I think, of when someone finds mission and they find purpose. And they also pass that on to those others. And those boys are also mentoring other people and other boys like them. You never know what someone's potential is until you begin to access the potential and encourage the potential and look past maybe what could be a huge flaw in their life or a problem and see what God has for them. That's the beauty of what God does, and that's the beauty of what he does through someone like Jethro to Moses. I titled this message Potential, turning what, you know, ultimately tuning into what God is doing right here and right now. So that's what Jethro's a, a, a great man about, because he didn't just let things go, he took action on them, and he saw potential where no one else maybe saw potential. Let's look at his example. And you know what? There are a lot of characters in the Bible you can look at that Jethro sees them the way God sees them. When he's about ready to receive Moses, Moses is a broken man, but he doesn't see that. He sees what God can do in that person's life. And if you look in the Bible, matter of fact, you can't be people of the Bible and think that God starts with people who aren't in seed form right? Oh, that person, they're fully mature. That person's got it all together. That person's life is really good. They had good parents. They had a good family. They're all stable. And so, of course, that's why God used them. There's not one character in the Bible that you can point to and say, oh, God used them because of the, they were already reaching their potential. No, God found them all and began ministry, all, all of them in seed form. And then they began to grow And become great trees for the kingdom of God. And that's how I think sometimes we view ourselves. That maybe we're too broken. Maybe we don't have the goods. Maybe God can't use me. Or maybe I'm not a good enough Christian. But that's just not true. You can't read the Bible and think that. Or you're not reading the Bible. Jethro's example is really good. One, and I have two. Two things that Jethro did. One. And we have to open our hearts up to be this way. Jethro recognized potential. He saw potential when it came his way, and he acted on fostering that potential in somebody else. Some of you here need someone to speak like that into your life. Some of you here need, need you need somebody to, to, be, to encourage you to help flourish in your potential. And some of you are here and need to do that for others. As a believer, to help them see what they can't see, it all starts in Exodus two. You know the story, so I'm just gonna—I'm not even gonna read it. I'm just gonna just bring us to this moment that we're gonna read. Moses is born into royalty, and if you understand how Egypt worked, once he was adopted into the family, it, it, it wasn't that he wasn't considered a son. Moses was considered a son of Pharaoh, or at least within the. Court of Pharaoh. It was a very big deal and a very prominent life. But Moses knows he's a Hebrew and is walking out and seeing a Hebrew being beaten by some soldiers one day. And then he goes and does the opposite and gives justice in what he thinks is justice, which Moses learns much later that God brings the justice. But Moses murders a man. And so Moses, this great figure of the Bible, begins his ministry in murder. Now, this is someone we would right away write off, would we not? If someone came to me and said, I just got out for murder. How do I volunteer? I'm like, oh, uh, I don't know. I need to have the eyes like Jethro in those moments. He kills him and Moses flees because Pharaoh finds out and Pharaoh is going to kill Moses. Moses travels as a vagabond finding a place because Egypt's kingdom was expansive. I mean, during this rule of what would be considered Ramses II, it was as big as it could possibly be. You had to go 1,000 miles to get out of Egypt's rule, and what, that's exactly what he does. He goes to the very first town out of the, out of the reach of the rule of, of Egypt and, and goes to this town where he decides to start his life. But the place he's at is called Midian, and it's a place that he doesn't realize, but it's what he's looking for. It's a place of restoration, it's a place of spiritual growth, and it's a a place of actually feeling like he belongs as someone who no longer belongs to anyone. He never felt like he belonged anywhere. He arrives, and his first act in the town was at this well. And he shows up, and he sees these girls, these daughters of a guy will, of Jethro, and they're getting, you know, water for their cattle. But every time they would go get water for their cattle, the other herdsmen would come in, push them all out of the way, and they'd have to wait in the back of the line. And they would get back up there, and they would push them back out of the way, and then they'd have to wait before they watered their cattle. So Moses gets there. He handles these guys in the way he feels suited for justice. And then he does a couple other things. He begins to draw the water out for them. He actually waters all their cattle. Now, to you, you're like, what's the big deal? It, it'd be like, okay, I'm going to take your car. I'm going to service it. I'm going to look it over. I'm going to change the oil. I'm going to fill it up for you, and I'm going to clean it up. I'm going to top you off, and you're going to go. It's, it's like this. It, it was a big deal. And so they get back, and Jethro asked this question, which is kind of sad, because he says, why are you back so fast? Because Jethro knows that they get bullied all the time while they're down there, so he's like, wow, was there no bullies there today? And they're back, and here's what they say. They said in Acts 2 verse 19, and they said, the Egyptian, when they're explaining to their dad, delivered us out of the hand of shepherds. He even drew water for us, and he watered our flocks. And he said to his daughters, then where is he? So I love this statement. Because Jethro in his mind is that's someone we need to invest in. That's someone we need to be paying attention to. And they did not. And he's like, where, where is he? Why have you left that man? Call him that he may eat, may eat bread. This is a big deal. This means that we need to honor what he has done. We need to, we need to know who he is. And then ultimately he does this, and Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses his daughter Zephorah and uh, she gave birth to a son and he called her uh, his name Gershom, which means I have been a sojourner in the land I love Jethro's first instinct, which is to see potential and he goes and he doesn't he, he doesn't let it go he goes and brings Moses in and these verses are fast, they're skipping decades, but what, what Jethro is, is he's a priest and he is training Moses in everything that Moses will eventually do. Moses didn't know about Yahweh until Jethro told him about Yahweh. Moses didn't know all the, uh, uh, the acts and ways of God or how to hear God's voice. Jethro showed him how to do that. Moses had no place to go and Jethro had brought him into his life, so much so that Moses had nothing to bring to the table, and Jethro marries his daughter off, which was very, very unusual in that day. Jethro saw something that no one else did, and I know Moses didn't see himself. I have a question. Who has God brought into your life that there is potential for God's purposes in his kingdom? We have them around us. I know God does this all the time. I look at my own life, and I can see when God's bringing someone into my life, whether I want to steward that or not is up to me to do. And unfortunately, sometimes I choose no, but sometimes I choose yes, and I realize I should choose yes. Who is God bringing in your life that you see potential in that we might not even be saying, hey, bring them here? Who is this person? I want to invest in them. I want to foster that potential. Another question is maybe from Moses' perspective, is maybe, what do you think your potential is for the kingdom? I think it's easier to me to point to others and say, I see potential in them, I don't know why they don't reach it, than to point into yourself and say, where's their potential in me? What's God's potential for the kingdom in me? It's a hard question to ask, but do you see potential for God's work? I I am not the only one to do ministry here. You guys know this, right? I'm always putting it on you, right? If you go to this church, you'd know that. Like, I I am one person. And I know traditionally a lot of people come from churches where the pastor does the work of God, but that's not true. We do the work of God, I just get to do it full time. We do the work of God, we are uh, God's use for his kingdom. But what's our potential? And I think a lot of people, we need that. We need a sense of purpose. And God has a very clear purpose for you in a path. But we need to ask him, God, what do you have for me? Moses settled, and he raises his family. But you don't probably realize this. Moses is 40 years old when he gets to uh, (laughs) Jethro's place. Half of his life is gone. He's probably already had his midlife crisis. You know what I mean? You know? Buying a nice car and then growing his hair long, you know, or, or whatever they do. But the thing is, is that he, he's already kind of at this place where he could discount himself even at his age. But he grows up there, and Jethro invests in him. One day he's taking Jethro's sheep and, and his herd and grazing them, and he comes across this mountain, which is the tallest mountain in that range, and uh, it is called Mount Sinai. It's very high, very difficult to get up, and he gets there and he sees the bush. You know the famous story, and there's this dialogue you have to hear because I love it because I feel like this dialogue is what we do with God when He's calling us to do something for Him, and He starts giving all these excuses when God's like, "I'm going to have you do this. I'm going to get you, and you're going to speak to this Pharaoh, and I'm going to have you do." And Moses is only giving excuses at this point. Have you ever had God call you to something and you're just trying to talk God out of something he is calling you to do? Have you ever done this? Oh, I have done this. I have done this many times where I'm like, God, I'm the wrong guy for the job. You don't want me for the job. I'm not this person for your job. I hear it all the time. Someone, somewhere, someone else, not me. And this is what Moses says, Exodus 4.10. Oh, my Lord. I am not eloquent, either in the past or since I've been speaking to you as your servant. Now, I find this comical, because Moses is letting God, like, I'm sure he's stumbling in front of God. Like, would you? Would you be nervous? And Moses is like, no, no, God, I talk like this all the time. I I fumble over my words. Like, I'm no good. Like, he's telling God, like, all of his issues. And what I love about this is God's response. Moses says, but I'm slow of speech and of tongue. And then the Lord said to him, Who made your mouth? That's the kind of answer that you 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 can't have an excuse anymore. Oh God, I you know, I just don't understand. Like, I'm not smart enough. I I I don't know the Bible enough. And, And God's like, Who made your brain? Oh, but you don't understand, God. I'm too old. I, 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 can't, I can't operate that way and be, and be as passionate. And God's like, who made your body? You know, Moses gets his calling when he's 80, you know? Nobody has this excuse. Every time Moses brings something, God's like, yeah, 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 yeah but I'm God. You know this, Right? And I think when it comes to us, it's very easy to give excuses about potential and our potential or what we could do for God or when he's asking us to take a risk and God's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're talking about money a lot. Who who has all of the money in the world and can make it happen like this? I do, God says. I think so many times It's easy, and I can't even imagine God with his inward eye roll while he's smiling and listening to you. Like, oh, I understand. That must be hard. But he's just like, do you not know who I am? Moses realized who God was. It reminds me so much of the story in Judges. It's one of my favorite characters in the Bible. and One day, hopefully, we can do a study of him, and his name is Gideon. Gideon is just like you and me. Gideon is just like with Moses in this situation. Now, later on down the road, Midian, where Moses is settled, they start to, they start to rise up against Israel, and they start to invade Israel with some other places, like the Amalekites and these different groups are coming in. And here's what the Bible says. Every time we got all of our fields out and they're ready and ripe right to go, they all hid in the caves. And as soon as it was ready to go and ready to uh, reap the harvest, they would come down in hordes of people and take all of our stuff, all of our animals, and they would leave. And then more and more Israel- Israelis would die because they would make it out the winter. And so Gideon is hiding his su- surplus in a wine press. And here's, here's what it says. Judges 6. This is when he gets called. Tell me if you don't see yourself in this. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, a mighty man of valor. Now, if you knew Gideon, this is a joke. This is like the guy who hides in the corner and you're saying, I love your bravery. Okay, this is what the scenario is. Gideon said to him, Please, Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has this all happened to us? Ever asked that question? And where are all the wonders and deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring you out of Egypt? Now he's thrown it in God's face. You call me mighty. You say I'm with you. Where have you been? It's an honest conversation that we probably have with God. But now the Lord has forsaken us, and he's given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? I love that part. I got all my problems. I got all my reasons. I've listed them all for you. Plus, you've been an absent father. And now you're telling me to go do something that's impossible. And I'm me, the lowest of the low. I love this scenario because God's saying, Yeah, 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 yeah. Love it, love it, love it. You're awesome. You ever had somebody do that? I can't do this. I I always did this with students, and we make them do something very difficult, like a zip line, or we make them jump off a cliff. And they're like, I can't do it. You're amazing. You're going to be great. And they're like, no, I'm not. And you're like, go. (laughs) This is what God's doing. He doesn't care about his excuses whatsoever. He says, you're talking to me, right? Did I not send you? to go. And he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Because my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least of my father's house. And the Lord said to him, I will be with you and you will strike the Midianites as one man. What's the common denominator here? God. Every time you discount maybe what you're doing for the Lord, just remember who you serve. Every time you question your confidence, remember who you serve. If your confidence is in, your, in yourself, you will fail in, in, in deeds that God wants you to do for His kingdom. But your confidence needs to be in the right place. Every time you give God an excuse of why you can't, just remember that your confidence needs to be in Him, not, not, not your excuses. I was uh, a young man, and I just become a Christian, and I was, <laughs> I went forward for a prayer at church, and one of the pastors saw me at the church, and I knew nothing about the Bible. I knew like a, a verse, and but I just knew that I wanted to go forward for prayer to see how God could use me in ministry or in helping in any kind of way. I didn't know anything. I just come from a very rough past. So one of the pastors sees me and says, "Hey." God spoke to me while you were down there and said, you should come with me to go to hospitals and pray for people who are dying. That's quite a first ask, don't you think? You think it's hard that I'm asking you to go hold a couple babies? Try going to a hospital and praying for dead people. I didn't even know. I just said, sure, I think so. And he goes, yeah, I just think God told me to talk to you, so let's go pray for people who are dying in the hospital. I go to the hospital. I had never been in a scenario like that. And I'm there, and he goes, how about you take this room in the ICU? I'll take this room. and the- I take a room? <laughs> I go in. I see the family. They're like, why are you here? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. And we just pray. And I don't even know how to pray. If you've ever heard me, I don't have elo- eloquent prayers. I just did just like, God, we need you right now as I'm looking at them. Help us be, have peace, because I'm freaking out. And, and God healed them, I hope. Like, it was like the worst. And I did it over and over and over. And I'll, I'll never forget the fact that the person at least saw something and, and invited me into some work, kingdom work. And it was kingdom work. And I didn't have to be a pastor. I didn't have to be special. I knew nothing. I had my one good verse I would pull out. And it was, it was deadly, that verse. It was good, but I, I didn't know what I was doing. Listen, what, you don't have to be what you think you need to be to do kingdom work. We have to get over that fear. And I love this because Jethro sees this in Moses. Moses doesn't see it in himself, but God sees it in him. If our confidence is in God, he will fill in all the gaps. And he will give you the strength to overcome your weaknesses To accomplish what he needs to do, and he will maximize your strength. My friend Phil, whose dad was this terrible person, he maximized that pain that God healed him from and became a father to many, many kids surrogately, or I guess, whatever, in another way. I think it's important. We need to say yes to God when he's calling you. I think we get in trouble and we're afraid to say yes, but God's saying, Will you do this? And saying yes is the most important thing you can do. And he will equip you along the way and pray that God brings Jethro's in your life to help you do it. Or God might use you to do that to someone else who's saying yes. The second part is, and this will be really fast. We have Jethro's ability to spot potential. And then we have Jethro's uh, ability to sacrifice for God's purpose. He puts his money where his mouth is at. It's one thing to say, yeah, you do it, you go. I'll never forget when I was starting this church, I had a bunch of my friends in Texas and they were like, dude, you should do it. It's gonna be great. You should quit this great job you have. You should drive there with no money and start a church. And I always called my friends later and said, you applauded me to my death. Like you just said, go, you didn't know how hard it was. And they're like, we're gonna come with you. A couple of them said, and then I went to go and no one was there. Chad and Sarah were, and I'm grateful. And obviously, you guys who started with us in the very beginning. But it was tough because the purpose and the plan was there, but the sacrifice wasn't there. Even though I started getting withdrawals here and there and here. And next thing you know, it's just me and my family driving out here. It was scary. Jethro, he he didn't do that. He didn't see God's plan and purpose and not put some skin in the game. He didn't just recognize it. He did something about it. But you know what? It's so easy when it doesn't cost you anything. It's so easy when it's not hard to say like, oh, I love what God's doing. Let's get behind it. But you know, you get behind it, but I'm going to just cheer you on. No, when you put some skin in the game, when it costs you something, and I'm talking as minimal as your time and as maximum as I would say a commitment that pulls you away from other things. It's a huge cost. What happens when the cost is high? Do we back out when God's calling us to give up a little bit to go further? It might be our comfort zone. It might be our convenience. It might be money, and it could be just control. But what happens when God is asking us to step into what he's doing and it can be in volunteering or it can be in evangelizing. It can, it can be in so many things. Does it cost us anything? But Moses agrees to go on this journey. I wrote this out as if I was the father-in-law, okay, this next part. He goes and tells Jethro. And I'm trying to picture, my daughter is, 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 is dating someone right now, and I'm vetting this boy <laughs> as carefully as I can, and looking for any character flaw that I can find, looking for times that it's just, you just don't want to be my daughter. Okay, that's what I'm trying to say. And I, I, I've never been in that position before, and I'm just pa- carefully paying attention to it. And I'm saying like, okay, I like this about him, I don't like this about him. But if he were to say something to my daughter, like, let's go do this thing together, I would basically trap my daughter and I would lock her in a room and I would have a gun and then we'd say, get off my property. Like, it's like, but this is what Moses does to Jethro. This is an unbelievable ask, What is about ready to say to Jethro. And I wrote it down as if Is this probably how it would feel to a father-in-law? He's going to go on this journey, but first he's got to sign off with his father to quit his job when he's a major part of the operation. He's got to, I don't know, leave the family and then take Jethro's daughter and his grandchild with him. If you're a grandpa in here, you know this is not good. And he's going to say, hey, by the way, we're all leaving. I'm quitting the family business. You're going to have to find somebody else. Thanks for everything. But also, I'm going to a place where I'm wanted for murder. Okay? And then he says, uh, and then I'm also going to stand in front of the greatest Egyptian pharaoh warrior that they've ever had. Ramses II never lost a battle. He was vicious on the war field and he's going to go and confront this guy and tell him to give up the major source of his empire building, which are these slaves and say, and I'm going to get them and then I'm going to take a million of them and we're going to march out without a supply chain ready, without any water ready, and we're going to go to some land that's not ours and we're going to settle and Pharaoh surely is going to be fine. And we're going to make a new life, and then God's going to save his people. Imagine father-in-law's here if your son-in-law said that to you. I feel the, I feel the uh, anger you would feel. I would feel the doubt. I would say, get away from my granddaughter, and you're surely not taking my grandchild to do this. I feel all of that. Jethro has all of that. But listen to what he says in Exodus 4. 20. Moses went back to Jethro's father-in-law and he said to him, please let me go back to my brothers in Egypt and see whether they, will, uh, they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, go in peace. And the Lord said to Moses in Midian, go back to Egypt for all the men were, uh, were seeking you or, or their life are uh, dead. And Moses took his wife and his sons and they rode on a donkey they went back to the land of Egypt, and Moses took his staff. Oh, good, he had that staff in his hand, and that's it. Imagine, Jethro's fully aware of what Moses is going to do, and he sends his most prized possession, his his child and grandchild, and says, I trust you, and I trust God, because he's called you to do it. That's sacrifice for God's purpose. Jethro's story doesn't end here. He's always tuning in to what what God is doing. He becomes a sage voice in Moses' life to continue to help grow and flourish the potential in Moses. I will say this. If Jethro, in the next couple weeks, what we'll talk about, doesn't get involved in Israel, I'm not sure Moses would have lived long, and I'm not sure Israel would have panned out exactly the way that they had and been able to make it. Jethro was essential in that process. But he understood how to spot potential, and he understood that it took sacrifice for God's purposes. That is why we're learning about someone like Jethro. And I'll just say this. Our role as the body of Christ is to do the same thing, encourage what God is doing pay attention to what God is doing. Each of us has a role to play. You know what the Bible says in the New Testament, that there are hands, there are feet, there are our eyes, there are noses. Christ is the head, but he directs us. But at the end of the day, one cannot function without the other. We need to be very involved in what God is doing. Each of us has gifts that are known, and each of us have gifts that are unknown that will begin to grow. And all of us are in seed potential. If you feel insignificant, just be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm just like everybody else in the Bible. I'm a seed. God's going to grow me into what he's called me to do. But you will be like a seed. Ask these two questions, and I have a very daring prayer for you to pray. One is, can I be like Jethro and spot potential, see what God sees, and am I open to that? And if you do, you might be surprised what happens. And the other one is is will I sacrifice for God's purposes in his kingdom? Whatever it may be. It might be you might miss a game because God's had you to go reach out to somebody who needs just some care and encouragement. It might be that you might be, I don't know, a little late to dinner because God needs you to handle something. It might be that you might be a little stressed out and physically stressed because you volunteered. And you're like, oh man, but you're going to, God's calling us to his purposes and they will always be sacrifice. Here's my daring prayer. I have it on the screen. I would love you to pray this sometime this week. I can't promise you what's going to happen. And don't blame me for praying this prayer. God, help me see the potential in others the way you do. That will change your view. Help me see the potential in myself for your purposes. That will change the way you move. Help me see my function in the body of Christ. That will engage you into this church body so we can become more, more, more impactful. And then give me the faith and the strength to fulfill those purposes. Because you will need every bit of it and it's all you will live on. Because you will not reason your way there. It will be a faith thing to get there. Let's pray. God, God. We love you, and we thank you for examples like Jethro. And God, we can feel the same way. I'm no Paul. I'm no Peter. I'm no Moses. And then there's people like Jethro and Gideon. And I think think sometimes a lot of us, and I know myself for times, are just waiting on the bench, waiting for you to have a big sign or a call. But God, there are so many things around us where the need arises. And God, I ask that you inspire every single believer here to be a light on the hill type of church, a church where people run to where there is need and don't need the call because they're believers responding to a world that's broken. And God, I pray for every person in here that they do not discount themselves, God, so many times. I do it with you, God, where I'll try to talk myself or talk you out of it but you remind me of who you are and I ask that you remind our church of who you are. You made their mouth, you made their body, you made their brain, you, you, you provide unlimited blessing, and resource where it's needed. God, you make a way where there's no way. You do the impossible when it seems impossible. And God, I pray for anybody here who has been struggling with that. Maybe they've got a story. Maybe they've got a a life that's got full of potential that you've got them through. God, help them look to pour it into another. And God, you've got those in here who've come from just brokenness and looking for people in their life to pour into them. I pray you make these connections in this church. And I thank you, God, for all the seeds in this church that will grow and grow and grow and flourish And make a difference in our area and our city and our lives and our neighbors' lives and our families' lives, God. Growing and growing for your kingdom. And that we are a people, a body that says yes to the Lord and to the needs that arise. We love you and we thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me this last song as we take communion? I want to let you know there's communion up front here on the sides and also in the back. And in this time when we are taking communion, have a conversation with God. Pray that daring prayer and say, hey, I'm yours, Jesus. You sacrificed it all. I, I want to follow in your footsteps.